Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Church, right there in your seats, let's do something. If you would, raise your hand to heaven. It, right or left hand, it doesn't matter. Just put a, put a hand up to the Lord. Raising a hand in God's presence is a sign of surrender. And it's also, Scripture says, raising holy hands. Your hands are set apart for His service, right? Without wrath, no bitterness, no anger, no unforgiveness, and without any doubt. So we believe today. I want you to say, we believe. Say, I am a child of God. Say, all of God's promises for me and my family through Jesus are yes and amen. Say it again. Say, I believe. Say, God is faithful. Say, I am faithful. Say, I am getting to know God through his word. He's doing something new, different, powerful, and unforgettable in my life. Say, I agree with my fellow believers that God is doing something amazing. Let's use that other word again and say, and unforgettable. In Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a clap offering again, if you would. Well, it's always nice to see you folks in the house. Today we're continuing the series, Preparing the Way. Someone say, Preparing the Way. We know that God himself prepared the way for Jesus, but he also sent John the Baptist to prepare the way for Jesus. And Jesus, when he came, he prepared the way for the Holy Spirit, but he also prepared the way for us. And that's become a revelation to pastor, my pastor, the founding pastor of this church. Um, and Dad was talking to me about this several weeks ago, and it, it's starting to become a revelation to me because I was all, wow, Jesus actually did prepare the way for us in so many ways. I could talk to you about this for months on end. Don't worry, we're going to change series, you know, at some point. But I, I believe we're going to go through this at least all the way to Easter. Um, Easter's April 17th, so we got about another month of this preparing the way, but that's good news. Someone say it's good news. Yeah, because there's so many things that Jesus came to prepare the way for us in those many ways. So today, let's go to Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Look at this. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, and it goes on to explain who you say, what, what great high priest? Well, it's Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to what, belie- what we believe. Let's stay there for a second. How many of you know we have to hold firmly to what we believe? You cannot change your belief system every other week. The world does that. The news does that. Say, they, were, they were saying, COVID, COVID, COVID. Oh, no, it's war. Let's change the news cycle now. It's war now. Okay, that's fine. And the news cycle changes. Oh, this is, this is what's hot this week, or this is what's not. Well, you know, we cannot change what we believe. Someone say, I will hold firmly to what I believe. Uh-huh, let's read this verse again. So then, since we have a great high priest, he is the high priest of all, Jesus, who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This is powerful. Let's look at the next verse. This high priest of ours, referring to Jesus again, he understands our weaknesses. Do you like being understood? Something powerful about being understood, huh? 
I know one of the most powerful things in our marriage, me and my wife, is getting to the place where we talk and we understand each other. I don't always get it. I'm going to tell you right now. I don't know if men are blockheads or I'm a blockhead just on my own. Sometimes I'm a little dense. I'm all, what? And my wife's looking at me going, come on, baby. Like, almost like, come on, baby, you can do it. <laughs> I'm trying to get you to understand. Come on, go, Matt. You know? I'm going, okay, no, I can see that. I can, I, can, I can get it. We're different, but I can get that. This is powerful because God in the flesh, look at this. I want you to hold on for a second and think about this. God in the flesh, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Wow. Hold on to that for a minute. I don't know if you've ever read this verse before. I don't know if you've thought about it before. But right now is the time to think about it. This high priest of ours, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of God, he understands our weaknesses. Now, in understanding your weaknesses, he doesn't just say, that's okay, just be a sinner. That's okay, live how you want. No, understanding and then supporting you and doing better and giving you the ability to walk righteously. That's what Jesus did. You now have the ability to walk righteously. We're going to get to my point here in a minute, but i got to read through this verse first, this context, and this text. This priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Someone say one more time, say, understands. Oh, man, it's good to be understood. It is good to be understood. I remember a song by DC Talk in the 90s says, You were in my shoes. At one point, Jesus was in a place where he could say, Wow, I understand. You know, I'm God in the flesh, but man, I really understand these folks. They go through some stuff, but they have the, the ability to overcome in my name. You don't just get to stay there. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Someone say, he did not sin. Ooh, that's good news. Can you imagine your God came to earth and then he sinned? You ever studied Greek mythology? It's a joke. Those are a bunch of demons is what they were, fallen angels and a bunch of weird stuff. Because you study Greek mythology and they're more perverted than humans. All these deities. They're coming down, they're sleeping with humans, they're killing each other, they're wiping out people for no reason, they're mad, they're full of jealousy. It's like they're, a, they're an amplification of what humans' worst characteristics and att attributes are. You study Greek and uh, Roman mythology, especially Greek mythology, a lot of it originated there in ancient times. And all these deities, they're just awful. Well, no, your God is perfect. And he showed up and he proved to the whole world, says, I will take on a human body. I'll set aside my Godhood. I'll set aside all my divine rights. And I will prove to you that sin does not have a hold on me. That's good news for you. We're getting there. We're going somewhere with this. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Wow, what's next? So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. One translation says, let's come boldly to the throne of grace. God's grace says, I give you undeserved favor, but I also give you the power. It's twofold. I give you undeserved, unmerited favor, and I give you the power to live right. Someone say to live right. It's a challenge sometimes, isn't it? You get to a place and you go, man, I'm struggling with this. Well, he understands, but he's also given you the power to step over it and step beyond it. Never get to the place where you lie to yourself and others and lie to God and say, well, me and God have an understanding. I'm just going to do what I do. Maybe you've said that before. I hope not, right? If you have, you can repent of it. That's okay. I've heard people say, me and God have an understanding. I'm just going to live like the devil. No. He understands, but it's time to move on and grow in him. You don't just stay stuck. 
Say, once you come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, there we will receive his mercy and we will find, look at this, grace to help us when we need it. Once again, grace is twofold. It is undeserved favor from on high, from God's perfect presence. When we need it most, actually. That finishes out the verse. Grace to help in the times that we, we need it most. So it's undeserved favor, but it's also God's empowerment to live right and do right. Did you know with God's help you can make it? You know why? Look at this. Look at number one today. In preparing the way for you and me to come to God's throne, to be in a great relationship with God, a powerful relationship of being a son and daughter of God, being in the family of God, he overcame sin. Jesus overcame sin. Can you imagine if God came down and he started sinning? That wouldn't make sense. There's a crazy, weird, lie from hell doctrine out there that says, well, yeah, Jesus, though, you know, his wife was Mary Magdalene. Oh, he was God. He didn't need Mary Magdalene. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't marry Mary Magdalene. That's a big lie. They even have a, a strange doctrine and a big lie from hell. Said, yeah, and Jesus had kids with Mary Magdalene, and, and that, that is the Merovingian line. That is the physical blood of Jesus. No, no. God's daughters, God's sons and daughters are me and you, and Jesus came and he lived a sinless life. When people start to say stuff like that, you know what it is? It's a spirit of antichrist. It is opposed to everything that God is and has promised and everything he will always be. That is the unchanging, eternal, perfect, sinless God, the perfect example. We talked about Jesus' example last week. He overcame sin. And because he overcame sin, guess what? You can be Christ-like and so can I. Now, we talk about it. We say it all the time. Well, we're not perfect. Well, we know that. That's a given. I remember when we were doing proofs in geometry. Some of you hated geometry. Some of you are like, I don't know anything about it. Some of you are like, I don't want to know anything about it. In geometry, sometimes the, the information they would give you in the proof, the reasoning was given. A is equal to B. Left side, right side, you go given. Well, it's a given that we're imperfect, but now, because Jesus overcame sin, we can be Christ-like. He's far above sin. Let's go to 1 John 1, 9. Look at this. Because he overcame sin, look at this. This is for somebody this morning. Any of you struggling with it, man? You're going through it. You say, man, I don't know. No, you can make it. You're going to get through it. Look at this. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Why? Because you have an amazing and powerful high priest. Remember from Hebrews a while ago? He's gone before us. He's taken care of business. Now you can... And did you know this, this right here, this epistle, 1 John, it was written to believers. Someone say believers. That's not written to the world. See, it'd be hard for the world to confess all of their sins to God. They're going to forget some, right? You know when you come to Jesus, we don't say, hey, you're coming to know the Lord. I want you to confess every single sin that you ever did. D did you write them all down? Did you record them, take a voice note every time you sinned? You need to confess all your sins. No, there's no way. We were sinners, right? So you ask the Lord for forgiveness. It's under the blood. But now as believers, sometimes we mess up. We don't want to practice sin. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Why? How, how can he do that? He overcame sin. Someone say he overcame. Uh-huh. 
And because he overcame, you don't have to be overcome by sin. Because he was sinless, he's our example, and now he's your God, and he lives in you by the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Colossians 2.13. Look at this. You were dead because of your sins. You were headed to hell. I was headed to hell before confessing Jesus. You say, man, well, kids, what about kids when they die young, up to a certain age, aren't they innocent? Oh, yes, and God is the righteous judge. You don't worry about that. Babies and kids that passed on, they didn't officially accept Jesus. I believe they were innocent. And even, if, even though they were conceived in sin in this world, I believe there's a place in heaven for them. They're innocent, right? But at some point, you have to confess Jesus as your Lord and consciously make a decision that I'm going to serve God despite my natural sinful nature and realize that I was dead because of my sins. I was dead. Look, you were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. It hurts to have something cut away sometimes, doesn't it? you got to die to stuff. you got to die to your past. You were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then, someone say then. Oh, I love this. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he what? He forgave all our sins. Let's keep going. He canceled the record of the charges against us. He overcame, so he says, I cancel the charges against you. How many of you know a slave can't free other slaves? Can you imagine Jesus? Oh, I'm, I'm on earth. I'm in sin with Mary Magdalene, but I'm going to free you all of your sins. What a big lie from hell. Uh-uh. He was perfect. He died and rose again perfect. He had women in his ministry because they, they saw God. They saw Jesus for who he was, and they said, what a father figure, what a great big brother. I want to be part of his family. He's God, and I believe. And because of that, look at this, women and men, they're, they're the fathers and mothers of the faith in this first century church. And because of what Jesus did, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. I know some of you are praying, say, Lord, that my mortgage in Jesus' name would be canceled. Lord, that my lease agreement would be canceled. And they just say, stay here forever. God bless you. You're just part of the family. Canceled. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. He got all your sins and took it to the cross with him and put it in a death grip. Let's go to the next verse. In this way, he, disar he disarmed, I love this, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He came against all demon power when he did that. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So we know that he overcame sin. Let's give the Lord a clap offering for what Jesus did for you today. Let's go ahead. And I say this again, you don't have to be overcome by sin because Jesus overcame. What a great example. What a great example. Look, many times, even as believers, we, we slip into our past habits and go, well, I'm only human. No, Jesus said, Scripture says, in him you're a new creation. See, I'm only human. Oh, yeah, well, now you have the blood of Jesus flowing through your veins. Your DNA has been changed. You are no longer a child of the devil. You are a child of God. Someone repeat this with me today. I want to get this in your spirit. I want down deep into your soul, into your mind, your will, and your emotions. Say this with me. Say, I am, I am a child of God. Say, God's promises are real to me. Say, I'm not the same. Say, since Jesus, I am moving on with God because it's his best for me. Say, I will never be the same. Mm -mm. Say, God has 
amazing things planned for me. This is for someone today. I can feel this by the Spirit of God. It's quickening in my heart. Someone say this. This is for special folks in this house that are really going through something. And this is for all of us. But say, I now have hope. Say, the future's bright. Darkness is past. Say, my heart, my eyes, my life, my mind, my actions are full of light. Because Jesus overcame sin. Say, I believe that. Say, I will live it in Jesus' name. Praise God. All right. Very good. You are great students. So in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Aren't you glad that he won the battle? You remember the disciples? He had his disciples with him there, and he was praying with with the three closest to him. And do you remember what happened? They kept falling asleep. Do you remember that? Man, the time when Jesus needed them most. But I'm going to tell you right now, had it been me, I'd have been doing the same thing. Because growing up, mom would try to get me to pray, and I'd be falling asleep. So would John and Lane, but they were a little more obedient than me. They were younger than me. And that mom would get them up, and they'd listen. I'd just be in bed. You know, mom couldn't drag me out of bed. Trying to get, get a teenager to get up early in the morning and pray with them, man. I'm like, I can't. I'm growing. I need all the sleep I can get, you know. My body's growing. Guess I didn't get enough sleep to keep my hair healthy, but whatever. At some point, you have to get to the place where you say, man, his victory is my victory. His win is a win for me. All you football fans in here, Basketball fans, polo, whatever you watch. I don't think we have any polo fans. Lacrosse, right? No, lacrosse? What? Is that a sport? Yeah, there's all this crazy stuff. You heard of curling in the Olympics where they push that thing curling and then they're going right behind it. And you go, what are they doing? What's crazy is years ago, I think it was in the 90s, John goes, man, I turned on the TV today, bro. He goes, I don't even know what sport they were doing, but I was like, oh, there's Americans. There's Americans competing. So go America. Go USA. We don't even know what they're doing. Some crazy sport you don't even like, but it's Americans. So a win for them is a win for me, huh? When they win, I win. I go, wow, how many gold medals do we got? How do we, how do, we do in, the, in the downhill ski? How do we do in curling? I still don't understand that thing. It's like shuffleboard on ice or something. And these people are good at what they do. They bump other pieces out, and they score in the target in there. And then ice skating, I'm all, I don't, I'm not even an ice skating fan, but when it comes to the Olympics, I'm all, go, America. Yes, I'm an ice skating fan. Basketball, of course. Whatever we're in, I'm down with it. Come on, because a win for the USA is a win for me. It's our team. In the same way, when he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities, he shamed them publicly. Someone say publicly. Uh-huh, by his victory over them on the cross. Did you know the devil nev- never really understood? The kingdom of darkness didn't quite understand what Jesus was up to because Scripture said, had they understood, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. Only God can say, I give up my body for sacrifice and punishment. I'm making all things new. And the enemy's going, yep, kill him. We'll get rid of him. He's in a human body. Oh, man, but that was the plan all along, to suffer and die. He even prophesied it in the Word. God is so amazing because he prophesied it. 
He tells you that it's coming, and there's nothing you, to, you can do to stop it. You ever seen a storm on the horizon? It's blowing out of the west or, or the southwest, and it's coming this way, whichever direction. You can see it coming miles away, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's raining and lightning. You go, it's coming this way. And God did that. God said, here's my plan, and I'm going to do it. I'll never forget. I went to school with a guy, and... Uh, he was a pretty good basketball player. We used to play basketball at lunch. They'd put the balls out there. Y'all, anybody remember Jitter? Does he still work over there? Jitter must be 128 years old. Huh? Really? I thought he was 80 when I was a kid. I went to school over there in 10th grade, and he looked good. He looked good, but I just thought he was ageless. I was like, Jitter, don't age. He's all, get off the court. He's getting mad at people with the wrong shoes on the court and stuff. But I guess Jitter and whoever else, well, they would let they would let the the they'd bring the basketballs out for, for lunch. And I remember one of my friends was out there, and I, they checked up the ball. We were playing 21, and he told the guy, I'll never forget, he told him what he was going to do. He goes, I'm going to cross this way, and you're going to fall for it. I'm going to go this way. Then you're going to recover and go this way, and I'm going to cross you up go this way, and I'm going to go around, and I'm going to roll you up with my left hand. And the guy went, <laughs> well, I'll never forget. He told him what he was going to do, and he did it. A double cross went right around him and left hand. He goes, I told you what I was going to do and you couldn't stop it. You know, talking trash. I loved it. In the same way, God prophesied for hundreds and thousands of years. The enemy knew the, he knew the scripture. Did you know the enemy knows the scripture better than most humans? He's been alive pro- maybe millions of years. We don't know. He knew the scripture. He was there at, he was there at the beginning. God, he's a created being. You know, he was Lucifer. He was cast out of heaven. But here was the plan, and God said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to overcome sin. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put to death death. Uh-oh, let's go to point two today. This is so important for me and you. He conquered death. Mm. Look at Isaiah 25.8. And then we'll jump back up to Romans. This is a prophecy from Isaiah the prophet hundreds of years before Jesus came to this planet, before Jesus was born, God in the flesh. And he says he will swallow up death forever. One translation says death is swallowed up in victory. I remember when I was a kid and when folks would race, man, there were some fast kids in school. I remember watching them running, and someone would tell the other one, say, man, did you see so-and-so? He smoked everybody, man, in the 100 yards or meters, whichever one they did. He said, man, he swallowed them up. said, so-and-so jumped out ahead of him, and he swallowed them up, man, and he beat them. When you swallow up the opposing team, have you seen that ugly thing they used to do where I guess you eat your... You're something like you're eating them up or something. Have you ever seen that on the sidelines? I didn't even know what that was. You know, we beating y'all. I'm like, you're eating cereal? I saw a meme years ago. It says, yes, I too eat my cereal real quickly while my team is winning. <laughs> Man, we eating y'all up. You know. Well, the old translation says, death is swallowed in victory. Wow. The victory is so big, so strong, so imposing, so all-encompassing that it gets death and just encloses it and wipes it out. Let's give the Lord a clap offering today. What a big victory. Biggest victory in history was God says, I will buy you back with my own blood. He will swallow up death forever. This is a prophecy by Isaiah. Man, Isaiah had some crazy, powerful, detailed 
far-reaching prophecies all the way to the end of time. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. Oh, aren't you glad? He will remove forever all what? All insults and mockery against his land and people. That's not only for the people of Israel, but it's for you and for me. He'll remove all the insults and mockery. Scripture says, my people will never be ashamed. You have to humble yourself for that promise to be true for you. Because if you're full of pride, you'll be getting humiliated all the time. I'm so embarrassed, worried about what people think. But if you're humble, my people will never be ashamed. He will re- Did you know he will remove all insults and mockery against his land and people? Look at that. After he conquers death. Oh, and he did it. Let's go to Romans 6.23. I love this. You know this one. They call it the Roman road to salvation. It's one of the verses in that on leading people to Jesus. There's several verses in, Ro- in Romans that you can use to say, hey, we got sin. Here's what it is. But here's what God has for us. Look at this. For the wages of sin is death. My grandma sin, I used to say, hey, Michael, you don't worry. People are going to get their back pay. Back pay is good if, if, if it's on your job and they owed you a raise. You say, man, they owe me $3,000. Praise God. Praise God. They, they, something happened or I got to, whatever it is, I'm getting back pay. Yeah, but uh, wages of sin is death. You don't want back pay for all the mistakes of the past, do you? Thank God for Jesus because that's all under the blood now. But the wages of sin is death. But look, look, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal life is the opposite of death. Mm. Let's go to 2 Timothy 1.10. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. Can I read that whole verse again, please? And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. My mom is alive forevermore. Your aunts and uncles and brothers and sister that crossed over before and they accepted Jesus, they're in heaven. Your daddy's in heaven waiting on y'all. Mr. Gabaldon. What's his first name? It was a really hard name. What is it? Ijinho. That is unforgettable. It's unforgettable, but I forgot, huh, because I couldn't pronounce it right. He's in heaven forever. One day we'll join him in heaven. Whether Jesus comes in our lifetime or not, we know we are headed that direction. Look at this. To life and immortality through the good news. Because Jesus was revealed, he illuminated the way. You ever been walking down a path and you go, man, I'm going to fall in a hole. But you pull out your phone now, right? Most people, it's a phone. And you light it. And it's a whole, a whole new world, right? When you light it up and you can see where you're walking. He has illuminated the path, look, to life and immortality through the good news. The good news is the gospel. Mm. Let's go to Hebrews 2.14. A lot of verses today. I felt led by the Spirit to really lay these down. Because God's children are human beings, right? Here we are. Made of flesh and blood. The Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being... Could he what? Die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Huh. Those days are done. What a great verse. What's the next one? Is there one more verse in that one? Ah, 
this is what I've really been wanting to get to on this point. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. You do not have to fear death. I've told some of you this story before. I'm sure I've mentioned it in a few services, but it's worth repeating. I remember when my mom was winding down. She was getting ready to go to heaven. She was so peaceful. We had a hospice nurse that would come to mom, mom and dad's house a few days a week, and she'd go, I, I know your mom's a woman of God because she's full of peace. She said, I've dealt with people that hate God and rejected God, and they feel like, th- even before they die, they feel like they're burning from the fires of hell. They claim that they're burning, and they're still cursing people and angry, and no peace, restless, miserable, fearfully waiting for death. One thing I can say, it was so powerful to watch my mom. For those years that she fought cancer with God's help and dad's support and help, she didn't want to die. But when she was ready to die, when she was tired and she was ready to die, I remember she had no fear. I'll never forget the day she told me, she said, babe, I either get healed or I go home to heaven. Her voice didn't quaver. She wasn't weak. She faced death like a true champion and a woman of God. Why? Say, oh, that was just all of her strength. No, it's because of what Jesus did. Another proof that mom was a woman of God. Look, because only in this way could he set free, this is Jesus, could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. You do not need to fear death. Doesn't mean you need to be reckless or foolish, but you don't need to fear death. When we meet, when we meet that day, when we, we go, oh man, I'm headed to be with the Lord, it will be all right. Why? We've based our lives on this. Jesus rose from the dead. He did everything he said he was going to do so that we could spend an eternity in heaven with him. Only in this way, let me read it one more time, could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Someone say, I am not afraid. Mm -mm, You're not. You're not afraid of dying. But here's the deal. When you've captured the revelation, you've got to share your faith with people around you because they need to be right with God before they go to meet their maker. Can I get an amen in this house? Right? So he conquered death. He totally conquered death. Wow, powerful verses there. And in doing all this, he did something else. I'm not getting into healing today. We're going to have a a service or a, a message entirely devoted to healing, how he prepared the way for us with healing next week. But I know point three here, he crushed poverty. Someone say amen. He crushed poverty. Let's go to John 10.10. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. People struggling with poverty, do you think the enemy is stealing from them? Uh, Yes. Yes. The enemy does not want God's creation looking good, feeling good, being well, anything else. His purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Threefold purpose of the enemy. Look at Jesus, what he said. He said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's a good translation. One translation says, to give them life in abundance. A full life. You're going to have trouble, right? Right? Some of you this week, you had trouble. Why? Because you're on planet Earth. We had trouble. 
Things you didn't like, things you worried about, things you said, oh, Lord, I'm sorry, i got to give that to you, I'm not going to worry. You're going through it, you had a disagreement, you needed to pay something, it frustrated you, or something someone said. Life happens, you went through some trials and persecutions at work, someone, who knows? Who knows? But in the midst of it all, Jesus says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Is poverty satisfying? I don't think so. You're always lacking. One guy said years ago, it's like you ask and you're always coming back with nothing. When you're that poor, that... Now, God can work through the poor. God can work through anyone. But God wants to make you look good for his kingdom so that he receives all the honor and glory. And I don't believe that that means, and we're going to get into this verse here and I'll explain it a little more. I don't believe everybody in here is going to be a billionaire, but... Scripture says his purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. You want to own a house? You get to own a house. You want to own a certain kind of car or truck? I don't need 10 cars, do you? Jay Leno needs 150, 200, 300 cars, I guess. You ever watch that on TV? He has this car collection. It's crazy. It's cool to watch, but I'm all, man, so who starts all the engines and works on them and makes sure that they don't just mess up sitting there? It's just a lot of maintenance. I'm not one for a bunch of toys, personally. But hey, if you want three cars, God will give you three cars. You can give God glory, and then you can give one away, right? And get another car, whatever. That's fine. But God's purpose through Jesus is to give you a rich and satisfying life, not poverty. Poverty is not God's best for you. It's not God's will for you. At some point, you have to say, God has taken care of me. He's big and strong and powerful enough to save me. He can also bless my life financially. How do you get to that place? Scripture says the tithe belongs to him, 10% of everything you earn. That is not a popular topic in some churches here. I mean, we're taught that. We know it. We believe it. We believe in tithe, offering, and first fruits. First fruits is just a type of offering. Why do we give? Well, my wife and I give so that we can be blessed, so that we can obey his word. So that we can be an example and so that we can bless others around us. When we're blessed, we can bless people. When we're blessed, we can be an example of who God is. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's that word grace again. Undeserved favor and God's power to live and do right. Though he was rich. Wow. Well, he was God. Scripture says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The sil- he says at one point, the silver and the gold is mine. He says all the beasts of the field, those are mine too. Scripture says the earth is his footstool. Anyone have a footstool in here? Some of you like to kick your feet up. You have something you put your feet on, the ottoman or whatever. Scripture says the earth is God's footstool. He's so big and so powerful, he can rest his, his little foot. He can just rest his foot on the earth. It's all his. Though he was rich, right? Remember, Jesus set aside his divine rights. Yet for your sakes, he became poor so that by his poverty, he could what? You're going to like this, make you rich. Jesus said, the other scripture explains scripture, a rich and satisfying life. God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to be able to provide for your family and have enough to give some away. Is that scriptural? Yeah. Given you shall receive, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. And running over, will others give to you? And they will give back to you whatever measure you meet. They will give it back to you. All right? So remember that. Let's remember that. Someone say, God's will is that we overcome poverty. Someone say, God's will 
is that we be an example. Someone say, God's will is that we walk in prosperity. Mm -hmm. Now let's go to Galatians 3.13. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. Hmm. He rescued us from the curse. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. Wow. Scripture says he became a curse for us. The God who knew no sin, the God-man who knew no sin, who knew how to treat women, who knew how to treat men, who knew how to treat the lepers and the sick, who understood all of God's promises because he wrote the book. He became a curse for us. For it is written in the Scriptures, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He became a curse to break the curse over our lives. Can I start at the beginning of that verse again, and I'll, I'll wrap it up this morning. Why don't we read this together on the count of three? One, two, three. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the Scriptures, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. So, he dominated, crushed, wiped out sickness, poverty, and death. I went a little different route today because we talked about sin and death and poverty. Next week we'll talk about the rest of the curse, which is, is sickness, right? So he, he took on sickness, poverty, and death, and he broke the curse. Someone say he broke the curse. Mm -hmm. And on that note, we hang our faith. We hang our hope. We hang all of our future. One day we will swing out into eternity on God's promises like my mom did, like your dad did, like, like some of you, you've lost folks that say, you said, man, they were a man of God. They were a woman of God. Well, they went out into eternity holding tightly to everything written in the scriptures, knowing that Jesus became a curse for them and they did not have to suffer the second death. The second death is eternal separation from God. So God says, look, I'm going to take care of you while you're here on earth with sin. I'm going to take care of your eternity. I've conquered death, and now I've also crushed poverty. Wow. So preparing the way for us, he overcame sin, he conquered death, and he crushed poverty. Someone say he crushed poverty. Mm -hmm. Start to give, and you, get, you can get out of a poverty mentality. God, God can deliver all of us from that. All right? Let's go ahead and bow our heads, close our eyes, and let's believe God today. If there is anyone at the sound of my voice today who says, you know what, Pastor Matt? I have never accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Never made a public proclamation of Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If that's you today, even on the live stream or in person today, would you raise your hand? I'm going to pray with you and for you. You say, man, I need to proclaim Jesus as my Savior because if I died today, I don't know where I'd go. Is there anyone in this house who has never confessed Jesus as their Savior? You never have. All right. Well, just to make sure for those listening on the live stream and anyone else in this house, let's pray. I want you to repeat this prayer with me today. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe your word is true. I can't do life without you. Say this. Say, much less eternity. Say, I'm sorry for my sin. Cleanse me. I need you. Say, apart from you, I'm a sinner. But I thank you for your forgiveness. Say, I believe Jesus died and rose again so that I could be saved. Saved from hell, saved from my past, saved from sin.
Say, Jesus is my Lord, my Savior, my Redeemer. Say, He's God in the flesh, and I believe. Say, I thank you for your promise, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet this morning, if you would. As we begin to close the service today, I want everybody to look at me. Remember who you are in Christ, according to his word. He's never changed his mind about you, not once. You may have changed your mind about some things. I feel by the Spirit of God, there's some, oh man, it moves me. There's some people in this house today feeling so low about themselves, yet you are a child of God. And I break that spirit of heaviness and self-pity and lies and bondage off you right now in Jesus' name. You are the called of God. There's somebody in this house who says, Pastor Matt, you may never tell me, you may never tell anyone else. You say, man, I have not thought very highly of myself. I had a moment yesterday because of a situation I thought, man, it would be miserable to live life like that, down on, down on oneself. You confess your sin, you forget about it because God is forget, He's forgotten about it. And you know that you are a child of God. You are a daughter and a son of God. You are worth it. You are worth, you were worth him shedding his blood on the cross and suffering for you. You must be something amazing for him to say, I will die in your place so you can be in heaven with me. God says, be encouraged, be confident of who you are in me, the Lord would say to you today. He says, forget about the past. I have made all things new. You are no longer who you used to be. You are no longer what you used to be. You have been made new in Christ Jesus. Someone say amen. Someone say I believe. Say this with me. Say I am a child of God. I'm different. I'm unique. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I am Christ-like. Say I have the mind of Christ. Say I'm worth it because Jesus said so. And because of Jesus' actions, the shedding of his blood, I'm saved, I'm healed, I'm forgiven, I'm blessed. I am the head and not the tail. Say, I'm above and not beneath. Say, I'm blessed, coming in and going out. Say this, say, everything I touch is blessed because Christ lives in me. Say, I believe it. Say, I believe it. In Jesus' name, amen.